Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Joining us now from NJ.com, covers the Eagles. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K. His friends like to call him the double underscore. That'd be the one and only Mike K. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, Mike. So let's uh, let's get your assessment. Obviously, you know the the one thing we could say about the Eagles is they're full of surprises, right? They're they're going to always keep True. us guessing. It's it's never it's never boring. So that that's that's a good thing. That's a positive. But we start with day one. Uh, there looked like there may be an opportunity to make a bit of a jump up, grab CD Lamb. They elected to to stay pat, which generally hasn't been their modus operandi, but they do that. Um, they either didn't want to give up a two or, or whatever the case may be, felt like it was a little too rich for their blood. What do you think about taking Rager there at 21 and, and passing up on Jefferson? Well, I spoke to a general manager from another team, and he told me that he thought that that was around where Rager was going to be selected. He thought that the Vikings and the Saints could have a lot of interest in him because he because of his speed. I mean, there are three guys that could really get downfield and be a starting wide receiver within the the next two years in a lot of people's minds. And that was, um, you know, obviously Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rager, and then KJ Hamler's a guy that was probably a distant third to those two. And I think if the Eagles were going to chase a trait, Rager was the guy to take. I I don't think they wanted to mess with a possible trade down opportunity. I like Justin Jefferson significantly more. But I understand their philosophy here. Yeah, and I'm I'm I would have I would have been aggressive with Lamb. I would have taken Jefferson. But I I get the Rager thing. I get it with the speed. I get it with the return ability, the game breaking. Yes, he's five ten, but he, I think he does justifiably make up for it in a lot of cases with his leaping ability. I guess the 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 only issue I would have two things that I would worry about a little bit, Mike, in terms of you know red flags. One. And maybe this is just, hey, he's a 21-year-old kid, whatever. But he shows up at the combine a little bit out of shape, runs a poor time. That just worries me knowing you're going to be running there and kind of showing off and how that could really impact your draft status, i.e. your pocketbook. And B, there were some drops. Even though he played with certainly a far lesser quarterback than a lot of guys, including Justin Jefferson, there's no doubt, there were a lot of balls that were there that he just there's just concentration issues at times with him. Yeah, certainly. So I'll talk about the, the combine first. He actually put on muscle, so he wasn't out of shape. They just thought that he should play bigger. Uh, And then I think once he talked to teams at the Combine, they kind of told him to drop off a little. 
uh, it impacted his speed clearly. And I, I think when you look at what he did at his pro day, I, I don't believe the four two two stuff, but he clearly improved his speed. And I think he's a guy who has that genuine, you know, deep speed threat. The, the drops are problems. There's no question about that. You can talk about his quarterback play until you're blue in the face, but yeah, I mean, there were some balls that were put on him that he just dropped inexplicably. And I think, it's a concern. I think if you project that he can, you know, handle good coaching and and improve his focus and that those drops are mostly due to the quarterback, then that rationalization makes sense because he has a defined trait in his speed. No question about it. All right, so let's let's move that that one uh, you know, I wouldn't certainly deem it as a shocker by any stretch. You could debate it. But let, let's move to the second round where this was surprising. With their, with their second-round pick at 53, they take Jalen Hurts. Of course, that's been a lot of the talk the last couple of days, and um, you've addressed it quite a bit on Twitter, I'm sure. Um, how surprised were you? Did you have any inkling prior to the draft that they may do something like this, or specifically with him? Um, I was told that they had done an, a tremendous amount of homework on backup quarterbacks, uh, like a lot. They looked into several different backup opportunities. Uh, a guy they liked is James Morgan from FIU. That's who I thought they would target probably in the third or fourth round. Um, he ended up going a little bit later than that, I believe. But I, I think, you know, they just saw the value of Jalen Hurts there. I don't agree with the pick at all. I, I think this was a draft just like last year where they should have really done everything they could to make Carson Wentz feel comfortable and put stuff around him. And instead, I feel like they hurt him here. I mean, there was so much talent on the board. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, even if you go defense, you're still helping your quarterback because a good defense helps set up an offense for success, especially from a turnover standpoint and a, you know, a low-scoring standpoint. And I think they kind of looked at the value there. Their eyes got big, and, they're, and they value the quarterback position probably more than anybody in the league, especially the backup quarterback position. And I think they just their eyes got big, and they took a guy that they liked. But, you know, a guy like Logan Wilson, who was an absolute ball hawk at the middle linebacker position at Wyoming, is exponentially more talented than the guy that they ended up getting at 103 and Davian Taylor, in my opinion, from a fo pure football standpoint. And I think he would have helped them a lot. You know, you had Denzel Mims on the board. I understand not being in a rush to pair Rager and Mims, both of whom have very huge boom bust potential, but there was talent there. And I, I just, I was kind of uh, concerned that they were focusing more on their desire to develop quarterbacks than to help the current quarterback who's under center. So, so Mike, what's, how do you envision this? Is this just, Hey, you know, we've seen this the last few years. If, if anybody knows it, you know, and I'm speaking from the organizational standpoint, you know, we do, we've, we've seen, you know, Carson go down, how important it is to have a quality backup or is it, I mean, maybe that's a part. Is that one piece, and then the other The other component is, look at what the Saints are doing with Taysom Hill. That's the way the league is going now. Is it, you know, eventually we're going to flip this guy and get even greater value than 53? Is it all of the above? How do they view this? Well, I, I think they look at it as they've spent a lot of money on backup quarterbacks over the last five years, and right now they're in a cap situation where it doesn't really make sense to, you know, put that money into the backup 
spot. Right now, they've got a second-round pick salary on, on Hurts. If he develops into a long-term backup who you feel comfortable coming in during a playoff game, then that's a win for them in their mind. Um, they can get away with having a cheap backup quarterback for the long term, which I felt they needed to get. I think this is a little bit more of a luxury given that pick, but, um, you know, it, it's like like the Jalen Hurts pick is basically like going out of your way to buy Fiji water when you have a filtered, you know, tap water right sitting right next to you. So to me, it, it's just a, it, it's a weird decision, and I think if they're looking at it from, hey, he can be used like Taysom Hill, I don't really think that there's, there's value there. I mean, no team is going out and spending that value. Yes, Taysom Hill just got a massive extension, but he was an undrafted free agent who kind of carved out a niche out of necessity. Not He wasn't picked to be in this role, and I think you're only seeing a few teams do it. Uh, if you look at it at the Lamar Jackson level, Lamar Jackson was put out there because he was going to be the heir apparent and they wanted him to get some playing reps. Here, it's not the same situation. Carson Wentz hasn't even hit his extension yet, and he's 27 years old. So if you're going to put Jalen Hurts out there for certain packages, you're taking your best player off the field. I don't know if that makes a ton of sense. And from a, the, the aspect of getting value in the future, the only way that's happening is if Carson Wentz gets hurt they're able to showcase Jalen Hurts. And at that point, and Carson has that big of an injury, you're keeping Jalen Hurts. You're not trading him for a first-round pick. They already drafted him at a high value. You know, trading him for a future second-round pick isn't worth it at this point. Yeah, and Mike, I don't I don't necessarily worry about the looking – I know a lot of has been made about the looking over the shoulder. You know, Foles is finally out of here, and now you bring this, this in, and this will create a distraction. I don't worry about any of that stuff. Do, do you think that's real? I mean, do you think Carson Wentz – in any way, shape, or form is saying, oh, no, and here we go again, or anything like that? No, I think the oh, no is probably like, hey, I'd rather be welcoming Denzel Mims to Philadelphia than Jalen Hurts because I'm going to be throwing to him. He'll be an asset for me right away. I mean, the team tried to sell it as Jalen will help Carson as his backup. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, when was the last time you were like, wow, I I really think Nate Sudfeld's doing a great job helping Carson (laughs) when he was on the field, you know what I mean? It's not like he's got some innate knowledge of of the league or experience to lean on somebody like Josh McCown or Chase Daniel or Nick Foles has, you know, being a great teammate is terrific, but I don't know how much that really helps you on the field from a backup quarterback standpoint. Mike Hay joining us from NJ.com. Mike, so let's run through um, some of the things beyond the first two that you liked there, whether it's, you you just touched on Davion Taylor and passing, uh, Kayvon Wallace, Driscoll, Hightower, Bradley Watkins, you know, you know the, the Prince himself, or uh, Casey Tuell. Which of those later guys do you have a favorable grade on? Kayvon Wallace is going to be a long-term starter here. Uh, I think he is the absolute perfect eventual successor for Malcolm Jenkins. I think he can be that guy. I don't think he'll be at that this year. I think he still kind of you know, rotates in with Will Parks and, and Jalen Mills. Uh, but I do think drafting him is significant. I think if the experiment competition of Sidney Jones and Avante Maddox on the outside does not work during training camp, they can easily flip the script and move Jalen Mills to the outside and then have Kayvon Wallace be the starter. Because I think Will Parks is probably best fit for that big nickel role. I don't really see him 
playing strong safety. He's more of a free safety, and you already have Rodney McLeod there. So I think Wallace is a big get. I think the two Auburn linemen, uh, Jack Driscoll and the Prince, is what we'll call them because I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name. Uh, I think those are two really good gets. For one, they're going to be very comfortable with each other. They're going to lean on each other during the process. They've been teammates before. But I think what's impressive about Prince is a lot of people had him projected as a day two pick, but he had some knee issues. Selecting him in the sixth round puts no pressure on the organization to play him, but it also doesn't you know, create a situation where if he plays poorly as a swing tackle or as, you know, the fifth off or the sixth offensive lineman that you need to look in other directions. I think he's got a very good shot of being the starting or the top swing tackle for this team, because I think Matt Pryor is probably better off playing guard right now. Um, And then I really like the idea of adding John Hightower. I think he's the guy that they thought Matt Collins could develop into a deep threat with size. I think he'll complement this this wide receiver group very well as a backup wide receiver. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to follow up with the you know the, the burners they got later, you know, with Hightower and Watkins, and obviously the speed that, that that Rager brings as well. Is that that was obviously an objective in the off season, and you know we all saw it last year how much they lacked that. But and the Eagles have made a point to to of emphasis to say it as well in in the ensuing interviews with the draft. Uh, is do you feel legitimately good about where they are speed wise? I mean, it, it feels like with Hightower Watkins. I know you like Hightower. It, it, it's up in the air whether they'll make it or not. But have they upgraded enough in your estimation speed wise? I think getting Goodwin, who I was not initially big on, was smart because if you're going to take that approach, you can't bank on Hightower. You're banking on Rager. You have to. He's a first round pick, but. You can't bank on Hightower. You can't bank on Watkins. And I think having Goodwin out there to be there immediately and help you kind of stir up your creation a little bit and, and kind of process what those roles will be. Because this, the way this is turning out, they only really have two, you know, X receivers at this point, like traditional X receivers in JJ and Alshon Jeffrey. And we don't know how long Alshon Jeffrey is going to be here. So, you're going to have this rotation of speed demons and you've got to see what that looks like on the field before you're like, yeah, we're going to totally turn this over to um, these three kids. Like you've got to look at it from the Deshaun Jackson angle. You've got to look at it from the Marquise Goodwin angle. Um, And once they restructured Goodwin's contract, which I reported, he was set to make around 4 million. Mm -hmm. They dropped it down to 1.35 with a, a $1 million incentive as well. I think that makes that deal look pretty good because they basically did it for dropping 20 picks in the sixth round. So they got him for peanuts. Right. But I think that that was a smart move inevitably. And I think when you look at this speed threat group, they're going to have to see it on the field before they know whether they have it locked down or not. So how, how would you grade overall draft-wise B, for them? I would give them a B-. minus. Okay. That's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I think that's – I didn't like the, the, the second pick. I, Rager, I, like I said, I get – I like Wallace. I like the offensive line depth that they added. I mean, even even a guy like, you know, the Prince, and, and, who you touch on, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name either yet. Um, you know, if it wasn't for – he had that knee injury, some projected him second or third round. So there could be great value there. Yeah, definitely. I think they needed to get a swing tackle with some sort of major experience. This kid's been in the SEC for the last – four years so I, I, I mean he's a guy that I think 
could be a guy that they count on. I think he's also really good insurance for Andre Dillard. If he isn't dealing with knee issues, which I don't think he will as the backup swing tackle, um, you know, maybe eventually he makes his way into the starting lineup. But for now, you've got a guy who a lot of people viewed as a very talented player, but we're concerned about his knees. And I think, you know, if he can stay healthy and you trust this medical staff, he's a very good flyer to take. Mike, step away from the from the draft for one second. Jordan Mailata, we don't talk much about him really anymore, and he had the back issue last year, and we all know he never played football before, but made some pretty good strides for a guy who hadn't in, in his first you know training camp here. Where do things stand with him in terms of having any kind of role in this team or even being on the team? I think the project's over. Uh, I, I think you at this point you've got they drafted two offensive linemen, they brought in another two who both are pretty promising, the Iowa kid and and uh, the kid from Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, they already have Matt Pryor. They really like Nate Herbig. They like Sua Opeta. Like, at some point, you know, this kid's never played a game of meaningful football in his life. And at some point, you have to kind of say, look, this was worth the flyer. Because it definitely was. It was a smart pick because seventh-rounders basically are throwaways. And his chances of making it are probably just as good as any other offensive tackle taken in that seventh round. So that it made sense. But at this point, after two years of sitting on IR and not getting any experience, I just kind of think it's time to move on. And to me, that's what these signings and draft picks were. That, that said, and just that sort of sparks something else I'm just thinking about. Where do you think stand, things stand with J.J. Ortega Whiteside? I mean, they, they did a lot to – add receivers for sure um and it's it would be a bit of a quick hook to write this thing off because he was a second rounder just last year but how how thin is that ice that he's on right now so i went back and forth on this and initially i had him in my group of losers from the weekend but when i think about it really he's the only guy that has size at the position um you know they drafted him to be the future x receiver and they didn't draft anybody with x talent in this class. So when you look at it, maybe that's the silver lining for him and that they view his role as staying the same and they're just going to throw a lot of stuff at the Z and slot receiver positions and hope that that works out and hope he develops. Because, you know, Deshaun Jackson will be gone probably after this season. If Alshon Jeffrey isn't moved this season, he'll be gone the next. And so I think you're looking at a young nucleus of J.J. Arcega Whiteside, Jalen Rager, uh, and John Hightower and maybe Greg Ward. So, to me, he's kind of in the middle. Like, you could argue it probably both sides. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how a couple of these guys play out, you know, who, who didn't, you know, quite live up to the expectation. But always fun, Mike. Always fun to Scott. I was thrilled that we had something, at least in real time. <laughs> you know, I mean, some yeah. people were complaining about how long it went Friday. I wasn't one of them, man, because I realized what's on the horizon here, and we just don't know what's on the horizon. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's always fun. But always good talking to you, and, uh, and I suggest everybody check out Mike's work, nj.com, as well as Mike underscore E underscore K on Twitter. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right, you got it. That is Mike K. Always fun talking to Mike. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.